those of you that are lurking and listening here in the adult section of what I refer to as the dirty little secrets of the human library. You're going to quickly discover that this is not the children's section, so cover those little tykes ears. The titles belong to the authors, but their secrets are about to belong to you now. Today, that book fresh off the shelf, that story is Scott Bowman, Toronto, Ontario, Canada's most eligible bachelor. Not a quick read, not an easy read, suspicious substance and daring depth. Mr. Scott Bowman, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Paul. How are you? Oh, I'm just up to no good as much as I can. <laughs> that's that a boy. That's what my dad would say. That a boy. That's the way to be. <laughs> that's why I'm as far out west as I can be. It's <laughs> yeah. safer for everybody back in Ontario, really. That's true. Well, see, that's why I live in deep, dark Toronto, right? Is that you get lost <laughs> amongst the crowd and nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, I told you that I ask really only two questions. Well, just sort of launching questions. So let's start with the first one. If your life up to this point was a book, what would the title be? Oh, man. Oh, yeah, you did tell me about this. And so I thought about it. And I would say that it probably would be called, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Ooh. <laughs> yep. That's an interesting title. Yeah. Do you know what you're looking for? I haven't a clue. You know, I've, it's funny because just like books, there's all these different chapters. And mm -hmm. when I kind of look at my life so far and sort of what I think I want to do down the road, uh -huh. I can see there's very specific sort of chapters and events and sort of epochs in time that I've gone through. And each one has been different and, and sometimes dramatically different and when i look back over the last you know a little bit thinking about this podcast um and just the differences and how you know uh 17 year old me would not recognize 47 year old me are you 47 oh my god i just told the other day I said, I think he's like 30 something. I mean, I knew you. I remember, I mean, we first sort of met when Canada used to, uh, the religious world and the church would allow me in their pulpits. So I was in Woodstock, Ontario. That's where we first met. And uh, well, yeah, actually, oh my God. Actually, Paul, we, so keep your dentures in. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just now that you know how old I actually am. But it was actually, um, it was actually, I remember that, uh, Back in the day, you had little, little, little kids, even a baby, I think, Emily or Emily, yeah. a baby. But it was I like know. some acquire the fire big thing or something. Oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> I mean, Emily's now like 30. What am I? I'm, I'm 63. So she's something like 30, 33 or something. I think she's 33. So and has babies of her own. So, yeah. oh, God, yes, yes, yes. Tighten the dentures is right. Um, <laughs> So, like, I mean, so so take us on the the highlights, you know, of some of the chapters. So, I mean, you were you you grew up on a farm, you know, and now you're in downtown Toronto. Yeah, yeah, and and so when I used to travel for for work, and I would go to some of these, you know, western towns in you know Alberta and Saskatchewan, and and especially Calgary. I always got a kick out of Calgarians because you know I would be introduced as here's Scott from Toronto. And I'm like, 
no, 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 no. I just live in Toronto. I'm not actually from there. Exactly. And regale them with the stories of the farm. And then, of course, I'd have them in the palm of my hand so that, you know, it helped out with, uh, you know, getting close to the Westerners. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite a, quite a difference, um, you know, growing up in a on dairy farm with 170, I think, acres and all this, you know, land that you could explore. And then now to live in a 700 square foot condo. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 quite a quite a, a difference but then you get used to it right it's right yeah it's like the cockroaches put that have a you know the flea i think it is actually that has a 36 inch vertical jump but you stick them in a jar and eventually you know they only learn to go as high as the jar and so i think i've kind of got tronified and now it's <laughs> uh, i only know how to live in a 700 square foot condo but yeah i mean so growing up on a farm i mean so I mean, it was incredible. It was a great opportunity for me. And, and, and you know, luckily uh, was born on a farm and, and I had a great time, mm-hmm. you know, got to learn about taking care of animals. Uh, you know, we had a couple of horses, we had a bunch of cows, but then all, also too, is it just, you know, growing up with a bunch of neighbor kids that were all part of this village that were, you mm-hmm. know, one side of the, the, the street was the Bowman farm. And on the other side of the farm, the uh, road was the Armstrong farm, which were pigs. So, uh, so we did have a lot of pork chops growing up and they had a lot of steak. So, <laughs> cause you need each other, but so there was that. And then, you know, then, and, and, and also one of the life lessons I learned early was a little bit of survival. Mm-hmm. Um, that was when I was eight years old, my eighth birthday, I got caught in a hay elevator on, on our farm. And uh, you know, and, for people that don't know, that's uh, there's a piece of machinery that takes you from the the ground, takes you to the top of the barn, basically, and you're supposed mm. to off like a bale of hay. Unfortunately, it had grabbed me in a way that my ankle was pinned in these chains, and so when I got to the top, instead of falling off at, at the top of it, it pulled me back inside. So, um, and it's about a 65 foot long journey up, and another 65 foot journey back in. And it's only about eight inches deep. So, I mean, it's not, uh, it, it's mm. not pushed in there. So needless to say, um, almost six weeks in the hospital, five and a half, six weeks in the hospital, uh, multiple surgeries and, you know, just luckily, you know, pulled through and, and, uh, you know, and so a lot of great farmers who were also volunteer firefighters. So there's that. So this, that was in just the rehabilitation and all the school kids when I was in grade three doing the whole, uh, you know, doing the whole, um, you know, pushing me around in my wheelchair for the first little bit in September, October, until finally I was able to walk again and physiotherapy, which was a nightmare when you're eight. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it's a nightmare anytime. So, yeah, yeah. Well, so I just remember Mrs. Shoemaker was my, uh, my physio and I was telling somebody this actually yesterday. And I remember, you know, I was skin and bones, obviously that kind of a traumatic accident. You lose mm-hmm. And I remember I was squirming and crying or whatever. I just remember she was this big Dutch woman. And she's like, if you don't stop squirming, I'm going to sit on you, which scared me even more because I'm like, oh, my God. She's Have I not had enough trauma in my life? <laughs> like, you know what I just went through? Uh, <laughs> now I've got to deal with you. And anyway, so I and I swear to God, I mean, if I ever saw her somewhere in, in your saw today, I mean, that was, you know, nearly 40 years ago. I'm pretty sure, you know, I would recognize her from a distance. I 
It's just <laughs> from a distance. Oh yeah, I run, go the other way. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. So there was that, and then there was the chapter of my life where, so that was a bit idyllic, I think, in in the the early days, and, and then mm-hmm. of course going through the the trauma of an accident when you're eight, right? And then there was the awkward, and I, you know, I always find that when I look back on my teenage years was very awkward. And some people love their teenage years. I don't know about you, Paul, but Jesus. Hated it. Oh, yeah. Hated my teenage years. How did I get through the teen years? (laughs) Because I was, let's just say that that chapter would be called awkward. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I hear you. I hear (laughs) you. But I was, but, but also I was, yeah, it wasn't just awkward in terms of just like physical or whatever. I wasn't very athletic. Um, mm. you know, part of it was just because we were too busy on the farm. So we weren't really given a whole lot of opportunity, but, right. but yeah, but I also was kind of uncoordinated. I had attempted to try to learn guitar when I was really young and that lasted, I think about six months and my parents were tired of <laughs> you know, me not catching on. So that got <laughs> tossed aside, right? So there's all these things again, where you're sort of try things and nothing seems to yep. stick or work. And you're like, well, shoot. And then of course I was, you know, uh, I was one of those religious nerd kids. Um, <laughs> that, I remember you. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I keep, you know, I'm, I've been trying to tamp that down for decades now. Uh, <laughs> Join the club. <laughs> oh geez. Yeah. Like, like we that. found an old sermon of yours. No, it's not me. Yeah. Not me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Somebody posing as me back then. Oh man, yeah. Like I, I just, I, I shiver when I think of some of the stuff, the nonsense that I believed and that I did. And yeah, we, I mean, we mentioned the acquire the fire stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like that was just like that was nothing. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, that true believerism um wow just yeah but what brought you to that if you don't mind me asking that sort of you know flip or as they're calling it now deconstruction Mm. well paul to be quite honest see i have questions and i've (laughs) and i've always had questions Mm -hmm. and that kind of of fucks up the faith thing um yeah you know, we're like, don't ask. Can we call that chapter fucking up the face? That's pretty much that. Yeah. Where, you know, just, yeah, I just, you know, I always used to ask questions and, well, and some people were, were gracious in trying to answer. And I think mm-hmm. back in the day, you probably were one of those, but it was probably, and, and there was other ones that were too. And then there was other ones that told me, oh, now, now, now it's just in the Bible. Forget it. And off. And that was just the end of it. You're supposed to believe mm-hmm. it because it's there. And, and then if you ask again, then it'd be like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. It, you know mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, then if you don't know, like, why don't you, aren't you curious? And so there was never, ever an actual, it was either finite, whether they you know, it's in the Bible, just believe it. It's like, just yeah. believe it. But okay. But, you know, again, like, how did, how did World War II and 6 million Jews get killed? But yet somehow back in ancient Egypt, he cared so much for them he actually physically showed up in a fire and gave them manna yeah. and led them around for 40 years so where did he go um you know like it's like you- i used to work at a in toronto there's a an institution called uh the Baycrest foundation it's the largest one of the largest jewish uh nursing homes in, in north america 
And one of my colleagues who was a lawyer uh, working there, he said to me, Paul, uh, you, you come from a Christian background, right? And I said, yeah, 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 yeah. He said, and, and, and my understanding is Christian people say that we're God's chosen people. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, ask him to choose somebody else. <laughs> he said, you know, he said, we've been through the Egypt thing, the, you know, Auschwitz. He said, no, I don't want to be as chosen anymore. But yes. again, people just, you know, sort of, okay, help me to understand, you know, yeah. like you, you know, it's just question. Yeah, I'm just questioning. And then, of course, then you were then, then I, you know, even. But even, you went to Bible college too. Oh, well, there we go. That's the next one. Yeah. Well, again, <laughs> yeah. And I, it's a two year program. Right. And so I, but I got through the first year and I, I didn't really want to go back for the second year. Cause I'm like, well, um, you know, so, and the reason why I went back was because I had gotten myself elected to be the student president for second year. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, well, you know, I'm going to, if they're not going to answer my questions or if they don't like me, you know, challenging and, and saying, are, are we sure? Like, you know, and, and everything from this faith healing stuff to, yep. you know, which, which now of course, yeah. You know, and one of their great heroes died. Um, and I forget Billy Joe Daugherty or something. I don't know. Some, oh, yes, yes, yes. Book. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Now this was just after, of course, but one of the things, but I remember I was part of this group and I said, well, wait a minute. I said, but weren't they all praying for this guy? And if, you know, cause of course if you don't get healed. Uh, well, you didn't believe enough. And I went, right. well, he died and they flipped the script and they said, no, 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 no. See, he's gotten the ultimate healing. And I'm like, the, the what? The ultimate healing. And I'm like, oh, I said, wow. I said, okay, well, I was going to tell you that I don't feel so hot today, but I don't want you to pray for me. I don't want the ultimate healing. Can you, can you imagine, you, you know, the big healing evangelist and people all come forward to me. They said, now, how many people here want the ultimate healing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just go through that door over there. Pop, pop, pop. Right, yeah. you know? <laughs> they got the ultimate healing. You know? right. Some healthcare provider will call it assisted death, but we'll call it the ultimate healing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I just sat back. I'm like, you know, like, oh my god, like if 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 that's the kind of person that that you know can't be healed for whatever, I'm right. like, and there's all these other just inconsistencies, and you know, other than like sometimes you you feel and and look, I found that a lot of that feeling you feel the spirit moving is really just people have been playing on their emotions, and you can do mm -hmm. that through. And and preachers are really good at this, and so are politicians, the, the good ones. Um, yeah. and actors, of course, are for sure. And a lot of a lot of what goes on in those in those churches is a lot of acting, but it's it's manipulating emotions, right? Yeah. It's modulating your your you speak really forcefully one minute, then really softly, and you tell a nice heartwarming story, and then people go, ooh, yes, and then you whisper things, like, can you feel it? Oh, now I do, and, yeah. you know, it's like... Well, I mean, it's even the crowd control of, gosh, I better say I feel it, or, you know, I'm the only one here that's, you know, not... Yeah, <laughs> yeah yes. it's like... God passed me By over. faith, by faith, I feel it, by faith, I that's feel right, nothing. Yeah. Yeah, and then they don't go to the hospital and they have a heart attack, you know, and it's like, well, yep. I thought you said you, you were here. So those sort of things just really, and so, yeah, so, and this was the, the metamorphosis I was told my mom <laughs> before I went to Bible school. So at the end of high school, I also started getting interested in politics. Mm -hmm. and, and I remember that. Remember that, yeah. And and I had been on a bit of a journey that way and, 
and I got, you know, and I actually ran for township council when I was like, I think 18, the minute I was able to, to vote. And so I ran and, and I was beaten by like a three-term veteran in a by-election. So it was kind of neat. And there was a lot of, you know, people were really interested and really excited, thought that maybe I'd be fresh, fresh blood later. And of course, then I moved, <laughs> but, but uh, I'm like, you, you reject me once I'm gone forever. Um, but but then I got involved, you know, involved more in partisan politics and particularly federally. And, mm -hmm. and that was sort of, so of course that's a potent combina combination. You got, you know, faith on one hand and politics on the other. And Ooh, I, yeah. school, I was on my way and my mom was like, now look, and there was an election. This would have been 1993. She got, there was an election coming up and she goes, look, you're there to study the word, you know, the word of God and not, and not yeah. get involved in politics. Okay. And so I was instructed, well, I think it took me all of about three weeks and there I was knocking on doors for a local reform party candidate. And, uh, yeah, Rob Hesp was his name. So yeah. It's, wow. And, and the reform party, I mean, they don't, they don't exist anymore. Do they? I don't. Well, no, not they, 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 they became eventually the current conservative party because. Right, they, right, right, right. They, there was an evolution there. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so they, yeah. And, 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 you know, and not even in because then because I joined and even some of those folks, well, a lot of those folks scared the hell out of me, too. And, <laughs> and you know, it was one thing to be kind of economically conservative or at least, you know, like, hey, let's not let's not blow the bank here. Let's but but on the social side, just woo, some of the language and you hear it today in mm -hmm. these people like praying around and blockading. And and now, you know, you're looking at there's a church in um They've taken over a church building in Ottawa, but you just see them in their tinfoil hats and their swords. And, uh, and I'm just like, oh, my God, it's like looks like a reform party meeting from like 1994. <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, just some of the language. OK, they didn't have tinfoil hats and crowns, but, you know, it might as well. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Exactly. We're one step away from somebody showing up with tinfoil at the next oh. meeting. That's right. I'm surprised most of them didn't like wrap their credit cards in tinfoil, keep away the ray guns, you know, from taking their their, <laughs> their credit card info. But but Paul, I mean, it was it, it was such a. I mean, so I was in such a, and I was in a hurry, you know. Mm. I had and I, you know, I had my life kind of planned out. That look, you know, I was going to do some sort of a ministry thing, but then right. I was also this politics thing, and that's what really really kind of got me jazzed was the political mm -hmm. side of stuff. And that's why, you know, I was not really all that excited about the World Impact Bible Institute. Um, <laughs> you know, but the reason why I went back was, well, shoot, I better go back now because you want, I've started it. So yeah, you know, I might as well finish it. So get, you know, do whatever, like finish the whole thing. But then the second part of it was, well, shoot, I'm the student council president for second year. So, you know, I had to show yep. up. And I thought, well, and that, that way I'd be very, very close to these people, Peter Youngren and, and, and George and a few others. And I mm -hmm. all the questions I want and they can't shut me up. So, <laughs> well, they found ways, but it was a great learning <laughs> opportunity, you know, in the political slash, you know, uh, religious side of evangelical stuff where, mm -hmm. you know, learning how to navigate a lot of you know, back channel stuff and understanding when they, what they say and what they actually mean are not always the same. And, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And absolutely. None of that. Going on. So, Oh yeah. 
like anyway <laughs> so that was that was the teenage years and then of course i got in politics and then i ran federally in 97 for the reform oh that's right i do remember that oh god yeah i ran now the fun thing is by that time one i had i i had already became a pro-choice person so i was already about you know uh free and open access to abortion uh and and in a lot of ways yeah it was crazy Hey, listen, if you want to listen to something really good, I'll send you a link to it. It's uh, this uh, guy, um, uh, Frank, Frank Schaefer. His dad was Francis Schaefer. Oh, yeah. And he talks about the whole uh, thing of uh, the right, uh, the, the, the pro-life movement mm. um, and how he and his dad started it, worked with all the big names. And really all it was was a political movement that they sold to the church and it made so many millions of dollars. They tried to get Billy Graham on side and he said, absolutely not. I'll have nothing to do with it. A woman's body is her responsibility, not mine to dictate. Jimmy Carter said that to the same thing to them and they ousted him out of the presidency. This guy has so much stuff on that. And just to say, he said, I, he said, I'm ashamed at the money I made and jets I was flying around. And he said, people that are buying into this bullshit, yep. it's absolute bullshit. It's not, in, he said, it's nothing scriptural about it. It's all about business. That's all it has to do with. You betcha. You bet. And I always say to those people that get on my case about, you know, that I just say, really, you'll, what you do is you rescue them from the womb and either don't care what happens to them after that, or you put a gun in their hands and send them over to kill somebody in Afghanistan. Well, that's what it is, right? So tell me how Christian you are, because it doesn't line up with the, it does not line up with what Jesus taught in the Beatitudes. Exactly. No, it's, they're pro-birth is what they are, right? It's, it's, oh yeah. And then you're on your own, right? And, 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 you know, when I like that pro-birth, you're not, you're not pro-life, you're pro-birth. You're pro-birth. Just, you're going to have that kid. You're going to have that baby. And of course they always refer to it as a, as a child or a baby. But, you know, if you ever, if you ever ask them, well then shoot, we should start to legislate in um, the child benefit uh, for them. Then as soon as they know they're pregnant. Well, no, no, no. I mean, it's not, well, wait, like you said it was a child. So, you know, so no tax benefits for that. No, no child tax benefit. And then you start saying, you know, well, and then of course, what about childcare? Well, that's what the mother, whoa, see, so it's all about control, right? And it's, it's, oh, it's, absolutely. it's you're going to do what we want you to do. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, and again, stay home. Uh, and if you don't, then you're, 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 you're the antichrist. You're the tool of the devil. And it's, yeah. it's just, and I'm like, holy shit, like this is just so warped. But yeah, and at the end of the day, though, it is about money. Uh, you know, yep. it's, it's, a, it's about keeping the economy going because they're going to, you know, or there's sometimes, it depends who you talk to, but sometimes there's also hints of, of racism, um, you know, mm-hmm. well, you know, certain parts of the, of the, the country, you know, where there's lower, you know, percentages of, of you know, non-white folks, you'll hear people. Well, those those folks are really because what I talk about, well, they're gonna bring in those em- immigrants. And yep. you know what that means is people that don't look like you or me. And 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 it's just it's chilling that that's what they use. And mm-hmm. and you know, and then they try to, you know, prop up that this is some sort of a biblical Jesus thing. And I'm like, no, it's just because you hate people. So you know, <laughs> like, you just hate people and exactly. you're just mad about your own spot in life. So I mean it, yeah. So but 
back then say that right and, mm-hmm. and and it was it was nuts and that was also in 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 um the other thing that i remember getting in trouble with the party for so there was that because i was very vocal the other thing was and it was just starting to pop up was um same-sex couples now of course they couldn't get married until legally until 2005 but mm-hmm. but before then in 97 it was this thing about could a home, could a gay person adopt someone could they adopt mm. oh yeah 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 that's right yeah. too yeah and that and that really caused people were really like what and and i was in favor of it wow for a reformer to be in favor of that i mean they're like oh my gosh you are the antichrist <laughs> hey really yeah well and my liberal opponent funny enough he was opposed he was opposed to that, and he was also opposed to same-sex marriage, uh, and that's why he left. Uh, eventually, he left the Liberal Caucus. He was an, he was a sitting member. He left because the 2005 vote in, that the Liberals passed um, nationally, the you know right to marry, and yeah. So I was to the I was more progressive than that guy was, and I was like, maybe we. Wow, should and you grew up right? in Ingersoll. Yeah, I'm like maybe I should be the liberal and you should be the reformer. <laughs> exactly. I mean, what are you on? What are you? What are you in that party for? And of course, they could have asked me the same damn thing, and some of them did. So yeah. of course, I came in second. I did really well. I, I got I think about twenty percent of the vote. Twenty one percent of the vote was pretty good. Um, and and of course, there was this big, uh, multi you know riding event or post mortem, I guess afterwards. And of course, all the reform candidates from like the london and oxford and middlesex all those areas that 12 writings or whatever we all got together for a post-mortem and i was of course the topic du jour because you cost us votes because you were in favor of you know and you didn't say that. really oh my yeah, god yeah like i got i lost half my campaign team in the middle of the campaign um you know because because the other thing was is that i was also because as I said earlier that I, you know, I was focused federally. I had joined the Liberal Party of Ontario. And so, and it was to, if you can imagine, I already joined the Ontario Liberal Party and that was actually to support Dalton McGuinty uh, okay. to, be the, to be the leader of the Ontario. I always Liberal thought you looked like Dalton McGuinty for some reason, but you know what? Somebody else said that to me in an event once that uh, a Liberal event and I was in the back sort of row uh, and somebody from far away started towards me like on a mission and i was like oh what's this guy gonna do and then he got closer and he then he stopped coming so quickly and he goes oh man i said what's what's up and he goes you look like dalton mcginney from like 30 feet away <laughs> and i'm like well yeah. there's worse people to look like so exactly exactly yeah, yeah. plus he's been the premier so sure i think yeah. so you know but anyway you can, so, yeah. you can advertise yourself as a stunt double uh, yeah, yeah. Like maybe I should have done that when I worked at Queens Park, right? I I should have said, like, I'll be your body man. I'll be I'll be the guy that walks in the front, and takes the. Nah, you know what? I, those are real. Those are real rocks and bullets. I yeah, I'll do it exactly. on a movie set. <laughs> Trap! Yeah. I didn't know you were using real rocks. I thought. That's right. Oh my God! Like Dalton, this how you? They really treat you, man. I'm out of here. <laughs> you know. Like, exactly. So yeah, Paul. I mean, that was so. That was so. I lost half my campaign team, and then I. And so then I, I left reform, you know, because obviously then I was pr- pretty much done and I was done with them. They were done with me. And and then I was just sort of like on another. Well, let's do something else. So then I moved to Ottawa and then I went to Carleton University. Mm-hmm. And that was a whole, you know, to political science, international business. Yeah. Of course, work up there. 
yeah. And then, you know, got involved in student government. Again, this was the political side. I was like, something was itching. But so I right. did that and was the, got elected the finance VP of the student government and, uh, you know, had a great year run there. That was two years on the board of governors at Carleton. Wow. And then, yeah. And then I got involved in the, on the 2003 election campaign provincially and my candidates, you know, the Ontario liberals won the election. And then I went to Queens Park and I was a political staffer for the parliamentary assistant to the minister of citizenship. And that mm-hmm. was pretty fun. that one. That one was cool. Actually, one thing about that is that I got to work with a lot of stakeholder groups. But one thing that me and my boss, the, the parliamentary assistant, got to do is in Ontario, we had this um, law called the Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act. And that was the law that me and my boss passed through the legislature. And wow. that was 20 year. Yeah, it was 20 year plan to reduce the barriers that exist starting with the retail and service sector and then on and on and on from there uh, to reduce barriers for, for people living with a disability. And, and so we passed it. And now of course there's all sorts of, you know, there's service standards and there's um, building standards and there's even training uh, for staff. So there's an annual, so yeah. And every year that, you know, I do this training at, at, you know, my, my workplaces, I'm always like, that's my bill. You know, so, <laughs> so, but it's, but it's, so it's, yeah, so that was one of those takeaways. It was really kind of cool. I love that. You're yeah. probably the most important person I've ever met. Okay. That, well, that's, I mean, this is, and so that was cool. And then I, you know, once I got that passed, I was like, man, I should. So then I went and moved to the minister's office in Northern Development and Mines. And that was, you know, as a legislative assistant. So that was, of course, doing question period, prepping them for that. And, mm. Uh, working a lot with northern communities and so in ontario here just in in really learning a lot and that's where i got a big appreciation for northern ontario uh, right. just how vast and how underserved <laughs> mm. yeah. yes it really is oh my god like it's there's and it's horrendous on on, on a lot of levels especially when you look at the, the non-drink water don't drink the water on reserves you know for first nations indigenous people yeah absolutely insane that we allow that to carry on and it's getting better but you know there's still way too much of that and still way too much too many impoverished folks you know indigenous left out one cool thing that we did actually when i was there we opened up the diamond mine in atawapaskap with mm-hmm. deer and and I learned a lot about the diamond trade and De Beers, you know, really not wanting to give Ontario a lot of tax dollars. We didn't even have a tax structure actually for diamonds. So we actually oh. introduced that. Yeah, we had to put together a, and I found out that it depends when they, when they, uh, they get them from the ground, they have to be bathed. And there's a number of baths they go through. And mm-hmm. after every bath, the valuation goes up. And oh, wow. Oh yeah, yeah. So when they pull them out of the ground, I mean, they're you know, sometimes they can be clean. Sometimes they're really they need a lot of work. But ours were kind of in the middle um, in terms of their prep preparedness for market, mm-hmm. or at least for processing. And so De Beers was like, "We'll do one bath and then take them." It's like, "No, no, no. We got them the three baths, so at least you know, just the valuation of them, so that there'd be more tax dollars." It's like so taking I'm- your diamonds to the spa. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You have a three bath so like, spawn. Yeah. It was incredible. But yeah, but one of the cool things that we did and the diamond mine actually just closed 
um, recently. So it, it was in existence for about 14 years, but maybe 15. But one of the things that we, we negotiated or the government did with them, my boss did, my minister, mm-hmm. was with the beers was that, you know, Attawapiskat is like up by James Bay, Hudson Bay. Yeah. Yes. And, and flying only, you know, and indigenous only like, so what we got them to do was um, train 125 uh, indigenous individuals up there, one on skilled trades that they could actually work in the mine mm-hmm. uh, at any given time. So it wasn't like 125 and that was it. I mean, there was obviously people would be retiring and new people. Right. So, so it was at any given time they had to have 125 people, indigenous folks um, working in the mine, being trained, getting skills, etc. And so, that was a really cool thing that, that we were able to get through uh, from De Beers and, 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 you know, now it's, and so now it's closed, but, uh, but yeah, that was one of those little successes. And then I ended my career at uh, Queens park in the minister of uh, community safety and correctional services. So the uh, fun ministry. Um, so you've been to prison. Is that what you're trying to tell us? Scott? I, yeah. I, I, yes. I, I've been, I've been to prison and uh, now luckily it was on a tour. And <laughs> and I was on the inside, but still looking on the deeper inside. So I didn't uh, stick around long. But yeah, yeah, that was that was interesting. So, you know, and it was probably my my mom was my mother was that that's the ministry she hated the most because back then we had blackberries, and of course, I, one of my policy areas was. Um, emergency management. So I had sort of three mm-hmm. areas of, of responsibility. So I was in charge of the policy file on emergency management, Ontario, um, the firefighters of Ontario and the provincial nuclear emergency response plan. And wow. <laughs> Oh yeah. They oh, trusted yeah. you with that, Scott. Do they not? Oh my God. Do they not know that I was on a journey and that that journey may end up, you know, <laughs> Ah, who nuts to this? I'm That's taking it. you bastards down now. That's right. You better take those those pills we gave you. Um. <laughs> Get on your silver right. hats, there, boys. Get those tinfoil hats out. <laughs> yeah, if there's ever a need to get a tinfoil hat, when Scotty Bowman has is in charge of renewing the provincial nuclear emergency response plan. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's yeah. So they and I made and then you know and the funny thing is you're making fun of it, but actually when I first got it, I'm like. Oh, it's pretty in depth. I said to the bureaucrats, I'm like, so it's more than just run. <laughs> yeah. And you and I, I laughed and I chuckled. They did not. They kind of just looked at me like, is this guy serious? Like, I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, so I guess the fun and games are over with this group. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Don't joke about the nukes. Um, so that's, that's less than number one from that ministry. Yeah. So that was, and so then I hopped out. I was like, Bap. you know, I did that for a bit. And yeah, whenever a bridge would wash out, I would get a text and on my Blackberry and I had to tell the minister and where there was some big fire somewhere or whatever. Like, yeah. So we would, and of course, Christmas dinner was interrupted a couple of times one year just because, you know, in Severn Bridge, I think one of the bridges got washed out. And Ooh. middle of dinner, right? All of a sudden off goes the Blackberry and the emergency management people. My mom was glaring at me because one of the rules is, of course, you can't have a phone at the table. I'm like, ah, well, the good people of Ontario, <laughs> you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I kind of have to answer this one. You know, sorry, mom. But uh, <laughs> yeah. And then I closed that chapter. And then I went, uh, I, I kind of started a, what now is kind of a side hustle type business. But but then it was sort of, I went and worked in some gyms, but then I also had a side hustle where I worked with fitness industry. So a lot of uh, fitness shows mm-hmm. 
and so did with the International Drug Free Athletics Group, the IDFA, and then got hooked in with the WBFF, which is the World Beauty Fitness and Fashion, uh, run by Paul Nelson Dillette. Paul is this former Mr. Olympia. You know, back in the 80s, you see these big, huge, mm-hmm. big huge, he's one of those guys. So he, he I remember you posting all those pictures. It's like, my God, it's with some good looking people. <laughs> they were, yeah. And of course, that opens up all kinds of conversations. Why are you posting that stuff? It's like, you know, it's like, well, because I'm standing like behind them and I just told them how to go and do their poses. Um, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, seriously, like, folks, give your head a shake. Like, people have lots of interests here. Yeah. Exactly. So that's. Yeah. So yeah. So did that, and I don't, been still doing that up until this past, I guess, two years ago, and and uh, and then I joined Futurepreneur. So this is the chapter that literally just ended last week. Uh, just closed this chapter, but joined in 2010 to be the mm-hmm. government relations director. Since I knew all these things about government and been there. right, and uh, of course I was, I had a side hustle, so I was you know in business, so I knew entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And then for the last 12 years, I've been, I started government relations. I raised $25 million for the organization in the first eight. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, you know, and, and so multi-year contribution agreements was fantastic. Once I got the one in Ontario landed um, in 2012, there was a big thing about, well, who, you know, we need to, we need to hire a senior director for the province to, to run and, and build the team and, and to really make an impact and help more entrepreneurs get started. Because what Futurepreneur does is Futurepreneur is a not-for-profit that mm-hmm. provides startup resources, so online um, business plan writer, cash flow templates. But then they also provide uh, up to $60,000 in a collateral-free loan, and mm-hmm. that's repayable over five years. And then they have a, then what you get with the money is a mentor, volunteer mentor for two years. Uh, directly assigned to you. So it's really cool, really cool program. Um, now there's an age limit on that though, isn't there? There is. Yeah. So as okay. long as you haven't hit your 40th birthday, um, you're, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah. So um, now if Actually, you have, I have a friend, out, I have a friend, he was out here. Now he's in Montreal, um, Dr. Andrew Tate. And he said he got his start through entrepreneurs and he's, uh, he's come up with a, uh, a Mandarin skin, uh, orange that comes out of a specific part of uh, China, mm. and it actually helps, um, like the whole leaky gut thing. Like it's it's just it, it's it's amazing what it's doing for and he's uh, for the gut. And he says, yeah, yeah. I said because I mentioned you and futurepreneurs. That that's how I got launched is through futurepreneurs. So incredible! Wow, yeah. that's so. Yeah, I mean that's the sort of thing that. That's those sort of stories. I mean, people ask me, wow, 12 years, you know, that's a, that's a, a really long time. It's like, yeah, yeah, it is. Um, you know, it, it is a long time, but one of the, I, but I told people, I said, you know, what's kept me awake at night or, or woke me up in the morning has been, you know, who, who can we help? Who are we going to help today? Or mm. how do we solve that? How can we, what kind of advice can we give to an entrepreneur, help them solve that? problem that they're trying to get over so they can get that the best launch possible um and and then just watching them grow uh and some stumble but it's it's just you know i've I've been you know incredibly lucky to have so many different stories you know i last week was my last last wednesday was my last day and you know we were doing this teams call from across the country and all these 
staff members are on it. And there's all these stories from my staff about all these and others, but all these stories about this entrepreneur that, you know, Brandon, Manitoba and Saskatoon, mm. Saskatchewan, the honey bun cafe. And the, you know, the, 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 the bunch of them up in Edmonton, just across the country, indigenous entrepreneurs, black entrepreneurs, newcomers, people that, you know, eighth generation Canadian type people just, but yep. in all different sectors and, you know, and some of them serial entrepreneurs. So, and just hearing the stories about how we got them through and some of the coaching that I did with my team or sometimes directly with the entrepreneur, uh, just absolutely. I'm just, I was astounded by how many in this hearing them talk about it. I'm like, and here's two things you didn't know about that entrepreneur. Oh yeah. And you know, how are they doing today? Like when was, so by my count, it was just about just under 3,800 entrepreneurs launched in my 12 years. Uh, by, by my team directly so not just the organization that was a lot higher but just through my team alone and yeah and so i still have you know i'm thinking about the wildcard brewery folks something about wolsey kombucha skip the dishes which a lot of people might have heard of skip the dishes is a future yeah brewery. yeah they got a, a bit of a name out there yeah so yeah, that started right. through futurepreneurs yeah yeah Yep. So skip, skip the dishes for those that men's wear there's uh, Frank and Oak. Um, yeah. That's a, that's a futurepreneur uh, funded group. Um, Chicopee pasta, mm -hmm. uh, you know, which was started by uh, Shelby Taylor, who she has got her start. She opened up well, she bought a coffee shop in Stainer, Ontario from this old oh, retiring God. entrepreneur, Jack's coffee. And she kept the name and I'm like, Jack's, well, okay. So she kept the name, but you know, and he was still around, but more as a mentor to her, but she kept it for a bit. She changed it quite a bit. It really sort of modernized it and then mm -hmm. sold it and then started chickpea pasta. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And it's just doing um, awesome. And she's in all sorts of Loblaws and, I think she's in, in Whole Foods too. Well, then there's another cool one out in BC, uh, started in BC was, uh, or is smart sweets. That's okay. the three grams a bag. Uh, it's like gummy bears, but they're gummy worms, gummy fish. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And she, she just sold the business actually. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Like about a year, maybe two years ago. Yeah. To, okay. Uh, to a conglomerate in the States and, and of course, you know, she had paid us back and I had met her a number of times. Absolutely fantastic story. Um, you know, because she had been, you know, inspired by her grandmother who was diabetic, couldn't eat candy, but loved gummy bears. So she mm -hmm. created this very low sugar. It's got three grams net sugar of a whole bag. And that's why she created it was because her grandmother and there's stories of like that all across, right? Just why people start things and, and what motivates them and what's inspired them. And so just hearing her story, how she grew it, and then sold it for several hundred million dollars. And, and so she's doing quite all right. Um, so yeah, that's, it's been an incredible journey for 12 years of that, you know, almost, almost 4,000 entrepreneurs launched. Like it's just, you know, but there's a point where even for myself, and this is sort of where I've ended up now. And this goes back to the title of the book would be, you know, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And is after all that and living vicariously through all kinds of entrepreneurs and hearing their stories and I could go on and on for hours, but I know this mm -hmm. podcast is not intended for that, but, but, you know, even people that were, they were failing, you know, I remember one young woman that I talked to and she, 
she had spent all of her money, all of the futurepreneur money. She had got family money. You know, we called it love money. Uh, <laughs> it, but she was of Chinese background. And, and mm-hmm. she'd been born here in Canada, but, you know, her parents had immigrated. And one, one time I was talking to her when she was literally like days from bankruptcy um, and trying to get out of it, trying to sell the building that she had bought and all this. Mm-hmm. And I, so her and I had a good chat about exiting businesses and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, look, yeah. yeah, I said, at the end of the day, no matter what you've decided to do and how you exit, at the end of the day is, look, I'm proud of you for even starting something, right? Like you Ooh. chased your dreams. And she burst into tears as soon as I said, yeah, I was proud of her. And I'm like, oh my God, like, what? Is it okay? <laughs> Sorry, like, did I offend you? She goes, no. She goes, in Chinese culture, when you say you're proud of someone, you know, that's a huge compliment. Like, it's a big thing to be mm. proud. It's yeah. not... It's not really a thing that you would say to somebody, you know, unless you truly, truly believe that, right? Like it's it's a big mm-hmm. honor to that. So I'm like, well, it's, it's true. Maybe that's my North American sensibilities, but but yeah. And so you know, and then how she exited, she got a job. She stayed in Dutch for a couple of years, and just yeah. So just magnificent things like that. Even when it goes wrong, when the business goes wrong, how people you know carry on. And so I've been living vicariously, Paul, through those folks for years. And mm-hmm. I'm moving up, as I said, like, you know, I raised the money for Ontario after a few rounds of interviewing people. I eventually told, you know, the, the CEO that, hey, look, who better this, to spend the money than the person that raised it? And uh, since that was <laughs> me, give me the job and I'll, you know. And yep. so they're like, what? So I got interviewed and got the role and took on Ontario and built the team. And. Yeah, so we went from 120 people served a year to like 315 in like 18 months. It's crazy. Whoa. Yeah, that's like awesome. It was, it was incredible. Like what a what a huge, just like a rocket ship flying. It was just flipping amazing. So, yeah, but you know, I so I progressed and and I was adaptable as the organization shifted and changed. I changed with it, shifted with it. Mm-hmm. But then it came down to you know what is what's next for me. Um, yeah. You no, know, and even internal. Right within the organization is what else could I do? Where else could I move? And there wasn't anywhere to go. Right, like you know, take out the yep. CEO. No, that's not going to happen. She's, you know, she's doing her job. She's doing a good job, and she's going to be there probably for a few more years for sure. And so I was like, you know what? It's time to bounce. So I'm now closed that chapter, and and now I. I think, but I think Scott, that's there's a, you know, and that's something we don't hear much about. And I think it's so key is when to say, you know what, I've gone and this organization in this organization, as far as I feel I can go, you know, it's that fine line when to say, it's good that I go now. Because I've watched in my career, whether it ministers, clergymen as is, or business people or CEOs and foundations, where they stay that one year more mm-hmm. and it destroys all the good memories about them. You know? Yeah. I learned it years ago, believe it or not, when I was in Owen Sound, Ontario, it was the first uh, church I'd ever was an assistant pastor at. I got to know the treasurer, of mm-hmm. course. And he was a bookkeeper. And uh, back then, I mean, you know, it was a bad economy back in the eighties, early eighties too. And uh, he told me about this story. He said, you know, here's a, he said, I want to tell you something. He said, I had this farmer who I've been saying to him for the last two years, it's time to sell. 
it's time to sell. And he's like, eh, not yet, not yet. He came to me the other day and said, I'm ready to sell. And I said to him, you'll lose your shirt. He said, I thought you, he said, that was two years ago. Mm. He said, there's a fine line. You got to know, you know, when to you know, sell or stay. And I think it's pass the baton or leave an organization, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and I think it, for you to say, I haven't, it's not like I'm going to this huge job with a huge paycheck, but I also know it's time. Yeah. yeah. So I, I salute you for that because not a lot of people know how to do that. <laughs> well, no, it's the, it's the, Oh fuck moment, right? They go, Oh my, Oh fuck. What am I supposed to do now? What am I going to do with myself? And, and people kind of asked me that, like when they found that I was leaving, I said, well, where, where are you going? And I'm like, I'm going to go paddle my kayak in the national competition coming up in Shewinigan, Quebec. After that, I'll figure it out. <laughs> you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go chill. And they're like, what? It's because I'm also a sprint kayaker. So I, I do sprint kayak racing. And so national. What is sprint kayaking? Yeah. So sprint kayaking is it's, it's, it's in the Olympics, but it's flat water. So it's 200 meter races or 500 meter races in these kayaks that are like long and skinny and pretty light. And the mm -hmm. idea being it's you go, you get in the boat, you paddle your little heart out and you win. And it's, so they're in lanes on like flat water. So there's no, okay. They're not white water and like that. No, no, no. These, it's it's flat water, um, rivers and lakes, and you basically, yeah, two hundred meter races, five hundred meter races. Wow. Uh, At yeah, forty seven years of age, holy smokes! Yeah, and I started it when I was forty. I I joined the Mississauga Canoe Club. Uh, at 40, because <laughs> I've been thinking about trying to, you know, talk about, you know, unathletic when I was a kid. I started playing about eight years ago. I started playing touch rugby and, mm -hmm. uh, and then kind of, you know, got bit the bug and got, got bitten by the bug and liked that. And then when the Toronto Wolfpack, the rugby league thing started up here, I joined a, uh, a master's rugby league team, the mm -hmm. uh, Ariel Greybeards. And so I was doing that. But, you know, the, the I was looking for something you know, sort of less physical to do in terms of like rough and tumble. And I remember seeing, I was in Port Credit, Ontario for some reason. And I remember seeing these kayakers on the Credit River and they were motoring along and I'm like, I could do that. And so I went and joined and I just decided that was the thing I was going to do. Uh, and here I am seven years later racing in these little skinny boats that you sit in, but looks like you're on top of. So yeah, so I'm looking forward to, I've been training, I've been out uh, since my last day, people are like, you know, I was there Tuesday for a final kind of goodbye party type thing, mm -hmm. and they're like, you look like a man's been well rested, and I'm like, well, I haven't, I haven't slept in, I've been getting up in the same routine that way, they said, but you're tanned and stuff, I said, well, that's because I've been out in the water every day since <laughs> I left, so <laughs> I found something to occupy myself, uh, you know. To the competition. But you know what I hear you saying throughout this whole time, every chapter we go through, is, is that things come your way and you say, I could do that. I could do that. And I think that's one of the amazing things that, that I've always admired about you is because I see it. I've always done that. And I've told people younger than me and now anything's younger than me these days is, you know, I said, I, I always just say, I'm willing to try that. I'll, I'll, I could do that. I can do that. I said, you start saying yes to stuff and you'd be surprised what doors open and where you end up in the world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. 
people, yeah, I mean, again, we dealt with, you know, 18 to 39 year olds at Futurepreneur. And so I, and there was a lot of people that were not really entrepreneurs and they weren't going to be, but I would go to like all different college campuses, universities, trade schools, all kinds of stuff. And even just simply, you know, entrepreneurial, you know, conferences and things. And, and I yeah. would be a presenter, I'd be a speaker. And that'd be one of the things I'd say is that, you know, even if you're not going to start something, right in terms of like starting a business but maybe you're going to start a job or you're trying still trying to figure out like what the hell am i going to do after i'm done with college right yep. or, or shoot i don't know like i've tried i've I've taken courses in like a little bit of everything and hell i don't know what i want to do or i don't want don't know what i want to be i'm like those are the most cool people ever because you could be anything as long as yep. you keep that mindset like shit i could be anything i wanted to do as long as i put my mind to it and try it Hey, look, yeah. if that doesn't work out, fine. Like, drop it if, if, you, if you suck at well, it. Well, I'm, I'm a no, bit just... of a fan of uh, Brene Brown. And I remember she said what she told her kids is go to university and figure out what you don't want to do. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, because she said as a, as, a, as, as a counselor, psychologist, I'm always dealing with people who are in their 40s and 50s saying, oh, what a crap life I've had. I'm, you know, I hate my job. Why are you doing it? Well, I always wanted to do. Why didn't you? I don't know. And, that, you know, mm. so why do we lock ourselves in? You know, I mean, so here you are at 47 saying, I'm open. I'm open. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, if you listen, if, if you listen to some communities, it's like, oh well, you better think about retiring soon, and you better settle down, and what about, you know, it's like, well, they they do that, Paul. But then the other thing is, everybody wants to be now. There's nothing wrong with your networks coming and saying, hey, like you know, here's an opportunity. And I've had a yeah. few people that have already kind of approached me with, you know, let me keep my eye. What kind of things are you looking for? And I and I have a kind of picture that if I was gonna, if I'm if I'm gonna land at a role. There's certain types of roles or certain things I, I am interested in, or sectors that, mm -hmm. you know, let's let's kind of scope it there. But don't 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 talk to me until after Labor Day. I really do want to take a little bit just to like I want to decompress for God's sakes. <laughs> you know, absolutely. Wanna, absolutely. And the other thing, too, is and then I've had people that are, have, you know, mentioned some business opportunities. And again, I'm like, <laughs> now some of them are, are like serious ones. And then there's ones where mm -hmm. it's like, oh, you mean you want me to run this business and you're just going to, you know, go and, and stay in Florida at some condo. I'm going to be the, Oh no, no, no. You know, exactly. again, I appreciate that. They think that I'm like some wizard in business and maybe I am, but we'll see. But you know, if I do go that route, but yeah. And then there's the people that are just, you're right. Ooh, you better get something right away. Like, haven't you heard of recession? And I'm like, oh. I said, look, at the end of the day is there's always opportunity. And oh, you just got to seize it. People just sit there and get seized because they heard that word and they go, oh, and I'm just like, I'm going to take my time. I've planned things out. I've got, a, I got a soft landing. And you know what? I'm going to chill. I'm just going to enjoy myself for a bit. I want to get the right thing, but I'm going to do something that, hey, it will be when I open up that chapter and start writing it, it's going to be the best damn chapter I've written. And it won't be yeah. because I, I had mean, a midlife crisis and I went and bought like a Lamborghini and shit. You know? <laughs> Somebody said to me when I was when I started into the uh, charity sector, because, I mean, it, it was crazy and I'll get out trying to get a job after your resume for the first 10, 18 years of your working life is church. You know, it looked like they were hiring Jesus, so they nobody wanted to hire me. Okay. But I didn't get into the fundraising se session, section because... 
what do preachers do best? Take money. Um, no, I didn't say that. I just, you know, they'd look at my resume and say, oh, well, you're only here two years or here's three years. I said, no, no, I don't look at, I, if, you, if you look at your resume, you can look at it as either can't hold a job or, you know, just hard to hold a position. It's like, no, if you look at it as this is my training. So for you, I mean, you look at everything you've gone through. It's like, no, these are cor- technically they were jobs, but in reality, there were courses I was taking to train myself for this upcoming moment that I'm going to go into that I can look back on and say, my history of the university of life has qualified me for that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think that's all, I, I think there's, you know, when I hear you talking, I think, I bet there's people, some that will be listening to this will go, yeah, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. I've, I've, I've come to the point where it's like, yeah, it's time for something new. It's time for something different. And I think that's what this pandemic has done is it's brought a bit of a, a major shaking to people to say, hmm, maybe we better rethink how we're doing this planet, how what businesses we're in. Maybe there's something we could do different, mm. you know. Yeah. And I think people like you are the ones that are going to do it, you know, and, and, and be able to lead people to do it, to say, yeah, yeah, this is what I'm doing. It's different. It's not been done like this before, but that's okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, totally. is okay. And this is anybody this who's is, been able to step away from Peter Youngren's ministry. Oh my God. All whoa. those great. <laughs> oh, I mean, yes. I mean, you know, those tens of thousands of people that somehow instantly get healed because Peter showed up in the deepest, darkest Asia or Africa or, yeah, just because he just, yeah, because they're hungry, you know. Yeah, they actually are, Peter. They're hungry. Did you yeah. feed them? Right? Like, <laughs> you know, oh, trust me. I, 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 I could do you and I'd be dangerous together if we started going on a podcast and just listed all the evangelists and pastors and, uh, you know, behind the scenes. And, and I always tell people when they say, you know, oh, did, have those guys all kept in contact with you? I said, man, they lost my phone number and blocked every form of social media as fast as they can because I'm a hunk of dangerous, you know, yeah. I know more secrets about them. Yeah. That it's like, yeah. Keep them yeah. away from me. Never heard of the man before in our lives. No, nope, no. Or they, they somehow got lost up in the Arctic somewhere, right? So, uh, yes. You know, oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, busy, busy. Uh, yeah, so busy. No I'm, I'm, yeah. I wish I could. I wish I could. Oh, you know, you're such a good brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep, yep. yeah. yeah. Well, that's yeah. the thing, you see, Paul, is, is that you started with this whole book thing and the chapters. And we race through that. Yeah, we could start a whole nother book of just simply <laughs> the things people should have known, but you know, we're for, too afraid to to, to ask. Um, you know, do you know what we should, let's do it. Let's do a future podcast on that once you're you know sort of well into your 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 next stage. So about October first, and let's just do a pro- <laughs> like you know questions people should have asked or should have insisted on answers. You know. Oh, that would be that'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, I'd be down for that. I'd be down. For yeah. That. That'd be fun. Like that would be fun. Uh, you know, um, yeah, I would, yeah. I, that, that would be great. You know what? I might even fly to Toronto and we can do this like as a, you know, we'll, we'll do it like a, a visual type thing oh. in the same room and camera and all that. And we'll just have a blast. I actually yeah. have a dream for another one. Uh, if you go back on these, uh, my friend, Marianne Kerr, uh, 
she and I at the end after had said, you know what we should do? We should do another one of these. She's in Toronto as well. But she said, let's do it. Uh, we decided we'll do it in, we'll be sitting in a big king size bed together yeah. with, you know, eat a glass of wine and do the whole podcast like that. So, I mean, I could do that. I could go to Toronto and then I could, you know, I'll have you over. You could, We'll just confuse the whole shit out of people. It's like, he's with a woman. He's with a man. He's with, oh my God. What's <laughs> that would be fun. Just like, let's, you know, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, folks. We're going off on a tangent here. Uh, but I would love to do that. Just like, you know, questions you should have asked or you should have got answers for that Scott and I did. <laughs> yeah. We, we <laughs> That's why we're not there. Yeah. Yeah, and this is why we know these are the things you should have asked. <laughs> I oh, love man. it. Hindsight. I love it. That, okay, that sounds good. Yeah, that'd be that'll be fun. Yeah. And oh, you know I'll find you on that. Scott, yeah. this has been awesome. You are one of my favorite funny people. I just love you. I just think you're you I love what you how you handle life, you know? Let's just like grab it, kick it in the nuts, and keep going, you know? It's like betcha. Yep, I it. told somebody about him the other, you, the other day. I said, listen, you don't want to mess with a man who's castrated bulls before. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, what? I said, the man knows how to castrate pigs and everything. He grew up in a farm. Be nice yep. to that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't mess with, don't mess with a farm kid. Yeah. We've, well, we've, listen, we've say hello to your mom, your dad, your sister, you know, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure I'm on your mother's prayer list, which God bless her. I love it. You, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're probably the tops now. We're at the top now. Yep. But those of you that have been lurking and listening, this I've been with my friend Scott Bowman, and you're going to hear from us again, and it'll get crazier and wilder. But listen, if you're interested in Fruit Futurepreneur, make sure you go check them out and watch what's happening with Scott Bowman, because you ain't going to believe the next chapter. Talk to everybody later. Thanks again, Scott. All right. Thank you, Paul. Bye. Bye-bye.